you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. (laughs) You've got the uh, California background. Indeed. This is in uh, my parents' kitchen where I've set up the uh, Skynet uh, uh, mobile node. It's funny. I might have talked about this a little bit maybe a month ago. It's I have a laptop, a MacBook Air that I bring with me everywhere I go, and I was discovering that it just wasn't going to be sufficient to the task of handling my parents' bills or uh, staying fully connected, checking into things that it doesn't matter. But I discovered that by buying like a nice 24-inch HP monitor and a better mouse and a backup drive, I could, for just a little bit of money, probably $250, $300, duplicate most of what I wanted, which was free real estate, which was, you know, it didn't, it didn't make my processor any faster. And I still have some limitations, but I, I was much, and of course, you know, then I have to go, okay, uh, do I have all the adapters that I need to be able to go from the uh, Mac video out to an HDMI port and that kind of stuff. And, but it, my getting capable out here in California was such an interesting exercise of, okay, so I got this working. Let's see. I don't really like their cable TV because it's larger with commercials. How if I bring my own Roku box or my own Chromecast and be able to have that, that late night not be a, a terrible exercise in trying to find a movie that's not been butchered by Comedy Central by loading it with commercials and whatever else it might be. Right, so right. It's cool to be able to, in my laptop bag, that's the, I have everything I need to set up a pretty full <laughs> Al's virtual environment for just a little bit of money. This being in the tech field, it's just a wonderful thing that things become more capable and for less money. And that isn't the case with so much of the rest of the world. We're getting so much inflation now and all kinds of yeah. mechanical things. Good Lord, I just saw an ad on TV and they actually showed the price on TV, $91,000 for some kind of SUV, Wagoneer, some kind of like, it'll, it'll go anywhere. Aren't you ashamed? That's not like a Porsche, a Lamborghini. I'm sure that those things are long past $100,000. But a regular car that you would advertise to regular folks is $91,000. I wish I had command of the statistics, but that's more than some big percentage makes in a year. And they're saying, yeah. go ahead and buy this car. And now it's not a four or five year loan. It's seven years. And you'll never pay it off because you'll sell it before you. I just, there's a, for a depreciating asset, it's such a bad deal. And yet America has become shameless with the big car that only gets 14 miles a gallon. It's not a hybrid. I I don't know. There, There are good ones out there. It's not that everything, even a big Subaru Forester gets good gas mileage, might even be a hybrid. I'm not sure. But no, so many things coming out of Detroit are still running a a 50-year failed playbook. We got our butts kicked by the Japanese back in the 80s. And here we are in 2022, and we still haven't figured out. It's not about adding fans. 
It's about having a more efficient car, a safer you, car. Well, logically, but what they have through marketing embedded in people's minds, and we've talked about marketing, how it can control people. It influences the way people think and people you know, still, oh yeah, you're right. We got to cut down. Yeah. I want that huge camper. They don't see even, they don't even see that they're like talking out of both sides of their mouth when they do an incredible disconnect between what they say they want and what they go ahead and do. Yes. I I was going to say, I'm a situation where because of life circumstances, I've gotten a few bills added to me that I didn't have before. So I'm I'm like, okay, I need to just really get things under control. We've talked a lot about my car, the car I have is like the, the one that was falling apart <laughs> and it's okay. really falling apart. It's, okay. It's worth about 800 bucks, but if I put 1200 into it, it'll run for another six months. Yeah. I don't know if that's worth the money. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm looking for something, but I don't want to go get a brand new car. I, I may look into leasing. That's an option just because of the cost, but I'm like, look, I just want to use car something I could put a couple thousand down and get paid off in a year or less and just have it run with no cost when it starts falling apart and I have to fix right. it. Then I just trade it in because I don't want the expense, but it'll help me get ahead for the next thing. Because okay. I really, and, and what you were just saying, I totally get it, but I'd really love to get another BMW. I absolutely love driving my BMW and that car was just fantastic. So if I'm going to have to pay for something and get it and all that, I want something I enjoy. And I know they're not the best gas mileage. I know they're expensive to fix. I also want to enjoy it a little bit. So I mean, that's consumer reports does a great job of here's the best used car you can get where, you know, for, and for all different price brackets from $30,000 down to a thousand dollars or something like that. And, and so that's based on the reliability ratings and on the initial quality of the car and on all those factors doesn't necessarily account. I take it back. Some of the rating is the joy of driving. You know, they talk about, does it translate road feel and stuff like that? Right. But, but sadly, like I haven't, I think I remember seeing a chart where here's the consumer reports ratings and it wasn't for each individual car, but it was, let's say for uh, uh, brands, you know what I mean? Toyota right. versus Lexus and all that kind of stuff. And the correspondence between what America is buying and what the quality of the car just didn't exist. Right. And, and like, I, I just, that always boggles my mind a little bit. BMW is a, a good car, even if more expensive and, and, and a used version of that, you've driven away the depreciation that somebody else paid for. You yeah, know, like, a forty fifty thousand dollars car and then resell it for 25, but that happened in the first year. It's amazing how right. quickly depreciation kicks in. So I hope that you find a good one. It sure seems in this era of everything is online, the, the Carvanas and the Carfaxes oh. and the everything else, you can find exactly what you're looking for and they'll even ship it to you on a train or something like that right. for the right number of miles. And it was driven by a little old lady from Pasadena, gently used, that kind that of thing. That little old lady from Pasadena was breaking <laughs> out the quarter mile. So let's not get that car. It probably needs new valves and crap in there. Come on. <laughs> She probably was indeed down at the drag strip, you know, she, before going to the dead the man's curve, shop. man. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's a Jan and Dean reference. Jan and Dean, you're exactly right. There we go. Um, and, and what there's a there's an old song by the dead, not dead milkman. 
maybe it is that no not dead milkman one of those like punk rock almost comedy group i'll think of their name later but okay. they they were talking about jumping on the table and california dreaming came on and they talk about the beach boys no that was the mamas and the papas not the beach boys it always bothered <laughs> me the lyrics in that song and where it recorded forever in history wrong yes. you know yes. what i mean that they didn't do their due, due, due diligence yes in terms of, absolutely make the attribution then make it right yeah longer oh, well. than to not care <laughs> and you were mentioning <laughs> the traveling and we did talk about that but we didn't mention things like uh, roku and you get a little roku stick and you can plug it into almost any tv now and you've got all your stuff to stream so exactly and that's I think I mentioned last time I came, I brought a Roku, but somehow I didn't have the right power supply. Even though it was like laying on the back of my desk as a set, how did that get substituted? Who knows what? But this time I brought the right one. So right now I have a Chromecast guy hanging on there, a dongle. I'm going to switch it to the Roku. And then just that, my virtual environment for TV will be better, more complete. It, it's, I don't know, I'm running out of room on my laptop. And so I have to get more room. I can go and get an eight terabyte hard drive at Costco for a hundred, hundred and twenty bucks. You know, <laughs> and, and like that, that's that's like a Star Trek number, you know, compared to when I first started buying hard drives with a hundred megabytes for three hundred dollars and stuff like that. So to return to that theme, it's wonderful to see how everything is coming down in price and of higher quality. You gotta be a little bit careful in terms of where you're buying things from because there has indeed been a lessening of quality based on sometimes the adapters don't work if they're made in a no-name far asian yeah. place and i wish i don't mean to defame an entire region of the world except all my bad experiences have been where it the quality control was not good and it wasn't from the united states or australia or it was always from um slave shop <laughs> sweat shop type places right yeah. they're not trying to make things of quality they're trying to be just enough quality so amazon will carry them and right. then it's up to you caveat emptor to find the good one yep, you know yep. I mean? yeah yeah uh, so i get a couple updates i told you a little bit about it um i've had an interesting week with big names so, about, so my older brother is named armin but really? you know another armin yes for most of the people listening, it probably doesn't need a lot of explanation, but I got to talk to Armin Shimmerman. It's not yeah. Shimerman. I always thought it was Shimerman, okay. um, who played Quark on uh, Star Trek DS9. And right, the Ferengi with the ears, yes. exactly that, and, and the, 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 uh, the head. <laughs> yes, he actually was one of the Ferengi on the Next Generation episode that had the Quark the on this. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't Quark, though. It was a different character, and he said okay. that they always felt they were flat and they didn't know much about them, so he gl was glad he was able to expand the characters, the race, on DS9. And then when you got Nog and Rom on there and they had, he said they actually had better character arcs than he did. He was a little bit flat through the whole thing. So we had a really good talk, not a lot about Star Trek. I didn't want to make it into a geek Star Trek right. thing. And he's also done so many other things. And so yes. you wanted to walk him through his career kind of. Yes. Okay. A, a little bit. We mentioned Stargate. He was the Knox. He was Principal Snyder on Buffy. Also, the voice of one of the Ratchet and Clank characters. And 
It's just so many things. But one of the cool things he did, because next week, oh man, this ties right in. I'm coming up to see you guys in Cleveland and doing a talk for your monthly meeting. Um, And he was talking about this theater group he was in that they would go to boys lock up juvenile that being incarcerated as teenagers and introduce them to story and writing, which I'm like, oh, that's perfect. But get them to write their story, almost like an autobiography thing, the story of them and teaching them how to make it expressive and interesting and the parts of the story, just that. But then they would do like a talent show and have people come and listen to these boys read the stories. And he said, these boys, they were nervous. Some of these boys had even killed people and they were nervous about reading in front of About being up on stage. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's such a huge fear. Okay. Absolutely. And they got people clapping, telling them good job, congratulations. And they'd never gotten that before. He says there are so many boys that were just astounded that people were really like that. They thought it was a myth that it wasn't real. And the number of them that once they got out, that were like, they didn't go back. They saw a different life. See, that's wonderful. You yeah. know what I mean? To give them a, a, a new possibility, a different yes. career path, other than being a recidivist, going yeah. back in after you find a worse crime to commit right. or something like that. Okay. Right. And, and you said it on my talk yeah. last time, that's one of the points of it is offering kids an alternative. We tell them, hey, go get a good job. Too bad there's no good jobs out there. Hey, go get a job while you're in school. Too bad there's nothing out there you can pay for school with. Hey, go to school so you can get a job. Well, too bad you won't be able to get a job with your degree to actually pay off your school. It's no wonder the depression and anxiety levels are so much higher in 20-year-olds now than they've ever been. But there's alternatives. We just aren't showing it to them. We aren't helping them find the alternatives. And that's what some of this is. So I was very excited to talk to him. And he did it for me. He yeah. was talking a little bit. He says, Human. And he did it. So I got Armin <laughs> Chimmerman saying that. So it was great. Very good. But it was, oh yeah, Discovered Wordsmiths, my, the one I talk about with the authors. He, he was just getting over COVID. So he was still in lockdown at the hotel because he's in Kansas City doing a play. Okay. And it was his last day. Then he had to go get tested. He's like, and I don't have anything to do. And he turned his camera around, a bookshelf. He like brought books with him. And he's like, if you got some time, we can just sit and talk for a while. Well, yeah. We talked <laughs> 45 minutes off camera afterwards, just chatted. And I'm like, where do you get this opportunity? I could go to every convention and meet every Star Trek character. Never once would I be able to sit for 45 minutes just chatting about whatever. You Good know? for you, man. That's so a wonderful opportunity. So cool. And, and you think of the gift you gave him. He's in lockdown. He's hungry for human company. And you're not just, how are you? How's the weather? You were someone that could really have a decent conversation with about, like, and not only his own stuff, but about what's the state of the world? What else do you like reading in science fiction? What you know, what I, you had a uh, must have been a tonic of a conversation for him. So it was wonderful. He is a Shakespearean scholar, and he teaches at UCLA. I wonderful. did not know that. And wonderful. talking about that, finding out about his book and stuff, it, it was good. Name dropping. I thought talking about Bill all the time, but <laughs> sorry, Bill, but <laughs> we talk about you all the time. We got other people to talk about now. Honestly, the longer you keep doing it, the more these opportunities are going to happen. Sometimes it'll be because you pursue. Sometimes it'll be because it like falls in your lap. And yeah. There's nothing wrong with that either. You know, right. I mean? the more that you become well known for doing it, people will be like, "Hey, 
I wouldn't mind getting a chance to break out over on this cool show that specialized right. works on Discovered Wordsmiths. Yeah, Very so, good. Yeah, it's, it was great. I'm glad. Happy. And then last night, I went and saw Weird Al. Weird Al, who is oh. maybe a little bit more discovered at this point, but still, to, <laughs> yeah, it's I, kind of funny. There really are levels of celebrity known, but he sure isn't like Beyonce level. He's still right. got a niche that, that he fills really well. Anyway, please. And that is so funny you say that. Because Colin and I had a conversation. We both thought the same thing during the concert and brought it up in the car. That if you really think about it, before Weird Al, there were comedy pop songs. There were comedy rock and roll, that type of stuff. Exactly. The Alan Sherman days, the Bob and Ray days. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, yes. But it was novelty records, one-offs. But he right. really brought the whole thing into a genre that people knew about and listened it was him almost single-handedly you could say exactly i'll tell you being a longtime dr demento listener you're exactly right there was an incredible variety because most of them were one-offs and then weird al was one of the few people that you started to hear oh a new song from weird al you never heard that, that it was a new song from flying to that's wrong flying toasters some people that i've come to know they were actually some of the people that were also doing repeats but boy he was really not only new, doing new songs, but getting better each time. Yes. You know what I mean? His, the, he already had, always from the start, had wit, but he had better pop songs to work with. He had, the band got better and better at what they did. So yeah. he went to see, and I, I, what's the exact name? It was it? the, the uh, uh, super uh, indulgent. Absurdly I mean, self-indulgent. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Which, and I didn't go because I had seen it in, in its Pittsburgh incarnation the last time they did this tour. So, and if, so tell me if this is right. From what I remember, it wasn't a standard Weird Al show where he actually no. has the videos and does the costumes and does his song parodies. It was more his originals that he includes one, two, three on each of his albums. So it was one more minute that I could start naming oh, my yeah. favorites of his where he's still got the same wit, but it's actually an original song instead of a parody. Yes. And okay. it, it was, the band was all there. And let me just say about the band, Colin and I were talking about this. We're like, what better gig? Because it's the same band for 40 years now. That's right. For Muta Schwartz. Exactly. I, I can start naming the band. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a great gig for a musician. Now, I know you, you get people like Rush. But they did that their whole career. And even Bon Jovi. You, you, there's tons of bands out there. But think of the uniqueness of Weird Al, that they play every style of popular music that's probably ever been polkas and the doors and exactly. heavy metal and dance that's stuff right. and they actually pull it off you know what i mean be able to, right. to do that to do a, a gentle little carpenter's number and then break into the grungiest of grunge songs and then still they sound great yeah. so they're incredibly talented and to be that kind of musical chameleon that no matter what weird al has asked of them it's like i'm in and, and <laughs> it's not just the covers they cover people and it sounds like the the real thing you put on you could do karaoke using weird al lyrics to the original song so good but their original stuff when you hear it you're like oh my god that's the doors i can hear the doors there it's an original or oh yeah that's definitely a rage against the machine i hear the little stuff going on and that, so that's interesting because that really is what music is all about it's not like the right notes in the right order it's the atmosphere they create yeah. it's the vamping that they do there's different textures to the music that you really need to be able to play guitar like steve howe plays guitar and neil young plays guitar talk about wildly disparate styles and yet they pull it off 
Yeah, really does sound like the door, that kind of thing. So not, not wow. as much credit as they probably deserve. And for me personally, I, I think I've told you this story before. As a nerd in high school, we were a big sports school. So okay. if you weren't in sports, you were a lesser citizen. <laughs> and I hear you. Very much. But me and my buddy, when we were in marching band freshman year, we're on the bus going to a game Friday night to play. And he and I are just sitting there singing Weird Al songs. And people are like going, what are you singing? And we're like, what is that? So we sang them louder. And then by year two, they're requesting some of these songs. Hey, sing that one, sing that. So for four years on the bus, we were like the pivotal star for 20 minutes. Highlight. But to hear some of those songs that we used to sing that I've never heard him sing live was so good. Like Christmas at Ground Zero. It was wonderful. But then he did. And here's even more of the musicality. They took Dare to be Stupid, which is a wonderful tune, but sang it like it was a Vegas lounge act. And it's, it was just fantastic. That's what I remember, too, is that they did. Here's a Bossa Nova version. Here's a ska version. Here's yes. a wonderful. And then they did Albuquerque, which is Colin's absolute favorite Weird Al tune. And I don't know if you've ever heard that one. It's like a 12-minute song. Oh, yeah. It's okay. going to be A-L-B-U-Kirky. <laughs> and they're not sure how to finish it. Right. Like so we get almost all the way through it. And, and he, wait, hold on. I forgot how we end that. I'm sorry. We have to start over. It had been 10 minutes of this. And then he goes, we got to start over. And you're like, oh, my God, are they really doing this? So they did like the first uh, round. And then they're like, oh, wait, I remember the end. And they went, jumped and in. And jumped back in. That's, that's hilarious funny. to me. I love that. <laughs> no, he, and that's kind of funny. He has not only the individual pop songs for three minutes each, but he's got those epics. He's got those Star Wars. He's got the MacArthur Park. That, like the, the fact that he listens to a song and says, What's what would go with this, if you will? What's going to be either right in line with it or the exact opposite of it? Because that's what makes for a good parody is that dynamism. You know what I mean? And wow. One of the best parts of the night was he goes, There's a rumor going around that there's a movie coming out about me this fall. And everyone's like, Yeah. yeah. And he's like, So if uh, things hold up, that means the next movie will be coming out in 33 more years. So <laughs> my career stays on the same trajectory. <laughs> So they asked me to write some new music and we're like, oh my God. He's like, so uh, what we'd like to do tonight is play that new song for you. But we'd have to have you sign an NDA or we'd have to kill you. So I guess we can't do that. <laughs> like, can't. Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, 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 now that we've done a hundred episodes, I don't always remember what little bits I've mentioned before. That I went to Alcon a number of times in Chicago. There was a super fan there named, I think, Grace, that put together this whole thing at a convention. It became like the comedy music. Maybe the Fump Fest is now the, the grown version of that. But the first time that I went, they it, it's everybody's a, a big fan of that. And and uh, they have on a monitor, Weird Al saying, boy, I just can't tell you how flattered I am. You got this whole convention for me. And I'm sorry, we're in the middle of the studio. We're finishing up the song. And I just won't be able to make it. And it's like, well, maybe I have time. And then it comes out through the curtains. <laughs> so it was just this wonderful. And of course, the crowd, you know, they go wild. And I think it was only him and, and there wasn't a full band. It was him and I think Bermuda Schwartz, as a matter of fact. But instead of it being, hey, they did a number and then they went back to, you know, being stars. They hung the entire weekend. They sat at the tables having meals with everybody. They loved like 
they have a song contest there every year and Weird Al was a judge and he wasn't just the savage there's so many judging shows now where he had constructive criticism he had constructive love he just was so much a part of the event and so approachable and so much fun I, I like if I remember correctly it was I had been Lokesecker Chicago area Mensa for multiple years. And this was the first year where I had stepped back. Someone else got elected and I didn't have to be at, at that meeting on the Saturday night at the end of the month. And so it was like, wow, I couldn't have asked for a better breakaway of not having to go to the meeting. Oh, no, I would because all my friends are there. But it's like, I would have missed the chance to go see Weird Al Yankovic. Right. It was wonderful. Anyway, (laughs) I'm sure that the people listening, we don't have to twist too many arms to go listen to Weird Al. But if you really haven't listened to him since you were a kid or for years or only the hits, check it out. He's on Spotify. His albums used on Amazon are good prices. I find them at the exchange. He's very accessible to find. Exactly that. And, And there's different phases of his career and, and many albums does he have 15 albums out now or something like that and, uh, uh, yeah maybe even more but I, I think at least that and to, to my sad shame i have his first box set called permanent record where it has you know a collection of all his and i and i think maybe there's one or two quotes b-sides and rarities so there's some stuff on there's nowhere else what i don't have is he had a career retrospective box set that came out in an accordion yes. box and i didn't get that when it came out and then immediately was unfindable without spending serious dollars. Oh. And I just, when I have money and I, I have so much money that I'm stupid with it, I'm going to find somebody on eBay to sell me an, a Weird Al accordion well, box. Which one of your key comics are you selling for that? Because I I'm, did it, look and oh the much. LP version of the yeah. accordion box set yeah. is going for $7,000 on eBay. <laughs> like 300, 500, no, 7,000. Well, yeah, the cars, oh. I'm looking at cars that cost less than that. Honestly, you know, so when I was making good money as a consultant, I have all kinds of box sets for much of that reason, not only that I wanted to have the music, I wanted to have the music that hadn't been released before, but then it was like, I know if I don't buy this and it's got the cool like libretto inside. It's got all the liner notes. It's got material in there that I really wanted to have. Right. And then every other collector like me is going to want to have it. And it's not going to get reissued. If I don't buy it now, when it's coming out at 30, 50, 70 bucks, I'll never get it. Yep. And yep. unfortunately, there's a couple of things that were like that when money was tight. And I was being very careful that things came out. So I, there's a gentle giant box set. And, and even if you've never heard of them, they're a really good prog band that never had anything on the radio, but they have 30 albums you know right, what i mean right. so and, and maybe not that many but this box set is a 30 cd where it was like live performances and in in the work studio versions and stuff and same thing that thing came out and i think it was expensive but when it came out like 300 and now it's probably three thousand dollars right there's only so many copies and when someone dies and has their estate sale that they put that out on the market that's the only way i'll ever get a shot at it you know what i mean maybe yeah oh. depending on costs yeah <laughs> You had a great time. Uh, Absolutely. Al's always great to the, and oh, they, they do everything in a humorous way. Oh, it's opened up with Emo Phillips. If you haven't seen him in a while. I I love him. In fact, he opened in Pittsburgh as well. There's some wonderful love relationship there that whenever Al tours, he's like, if I need an opener and Emo's available and he's boy, he's unique. 
He's oh. so funny. He writes jokes so perfectly. Yes. Even his, his delivery it, it is not to some people's taste. Emo yep. is definitely a Weird Al type of comedian, but mm-hmm. a Menson comedian. And it was wonderful because Colin, the only thing Colin knew of Emo Phillips was the, the 30 seconds he was in uh, UH clear back yes. And so this was the first, and Colin was just busting a gut for the whole half hour and just laughing. He's like, I got to look him up. I got to get some of his stuff. When Colleen and I have seen him multiple times now, and one of the uh, great comments that she made was, there's some comedians that there's a, it's a good act, but that there's a lot of um, buildup lead in to the final joke with Emo Phillips, with Stephen Wright, certain ones. Yes. It's like greatest hits. Bam, bam. Every single line is the perfect Paraprose Dokian, it's only like a three-line joke, but it, it's just so perfectly crafted. And you, you really, your sides are hurting because you've laughed solid for an hour. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Very good. Yeah. So then, of <laughs> course, on the way home, we had Weird Al playing and it was like a sing-along. You know what? We, we did something when we first started that we were creating like top list pages. And we started to do one called Bodies of Work. And we never completed it. And we never did another one since. We need to do that because Weird Al really should be in a Bodies of Work commemorative list page. Because all of his albums, I can sing along to just about every song. There isn't a Weird Al song that I hate. There's a few I don't like as well as others. but Right. That, so that's, I, I think I mentioned I have the concept of the perfect album where it's like there's no bad cuts. You yeah. Know, there's any number of times that something comes up with one or two radio friendly hits and the rest is filler maybe. But boy, he has been incredibly consistent. He doesn't put an album out until he wants to share with the public, that kind and, of thing. And I've been with him since the second album. I've gotten every album since. I've loved some of them more than others, obviously. And there's some really good, my two favorite albums are. Yeah. His last two albums. The last two are my absolute favorites. And what's that tell you? Yeah, that, that he's still making great stuff. That he's not, me and a couple of the roadies are going to ride the coattails for as long as we can. For no, 20 more years. He's still yeah. vital. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, I step back for back in the days of email being more popular, I regularly used the quote feature where I had a whole bunch of quotes loaded and I would, it would randomly apply to the end of my email. But the one that I had as my default that I fit into what else, it was from Emo Phillips. It was, some mornings, it just doesn't seem worth gnawing through the leather straps. <laughs> That's just so perfect from him and pretty much how I think of the world. <laughs> right. and, and the way he delivers them. Again, half yeah, of comedy is it's delivery. In fact, I hope you don't mind. So everything, of course, it's emo. So don't let me, uh, I attribute it fully to Emo Phillips. One of my favorite ones of his is, I went out with a girl and uh, I didn't get a second date. Because instead of opening the car door for her, I just swam to the surface. <laughs> it just takes such a perfect left turn. Yes. You know what I mean? You're ready to be like, oh, dating dilemmas and that kind of stuff. And instead, it just, and I, I think I might have said it with the same economy. He really has crafted every one of his jokes so that in 15 words, he sets up a premise and then takes that left turn. The, here's a word, the paraprosdokian. I think it's like Greek for goes down the garden path. You know what I yes. mean? Where it sets something up and then surprises you. And and he does it so perfectly. <laughs> yeah, and, and you mentioned Stephen Wright. He's another mm-hmm. one of those Menson type of comedians that everything he says we love and enjoy. And he's so dry when he delivers it. And exactly. it's that same left turn all the time. That's right. Exactly. 
everything's within walking distance if you've got the time. <laughs> but it's so philosophical. It's not really just funny. It's deep. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. He was. What was he on? He was on. Uh, what show was he on for a little bit? Uh, it wasn't Seinfeld. Stephen Ray. Um, well, I don't remember. Well, oh wait, wasn't he on Mad Mad About You for a couple episodes in the early season? I, I didn't watch that one, so I don't know. Riser, okay. I think so. I think that All was right. Stephen Wright, if I remember. So <laughs> let me ask uh, an update. You had before this a group meeting, uh, diabetes type thing. So what's going on in the diabetes world? <laughs> I think I mentioned last time. I uh, I have I have. So here, I'll show my little guy. Oh yeah. That is what's called a Freestyle Libre 2. And it is a little patch that you put on and has a little filament that goes in and it monitors your blood glucose. And it's been an incredible, useful thing in terms of showing me just what are my kryptonites? What are the things that really cause a spike in my blood sugar that I have to be careful about? And for instance, here's a, here's a sweeping statement. Is there any airport food that doesn't cause that? Right. You can find like an apple or a banana, but most things are going to be burritos and burgers and just... The, and, and all of it deep fried or whatever else it might be. So I'm now in a, a controlled environment here out in California. There's nothing in the house that's going to be here besides what I'm going to bring in. And so when I go to Costco, I'm going to be, okay, don't get the burrito. Get something that doesn't have as much simple carbs, rice, et cetera. I like the feedback because I'm really getting new information. I'm, without going into it a lot, I really am in the frame of mind of, and maybe this is Joe, a lot of people, <laughs> sorry, one of the things that was talked about at this meeting was there's a whole bunch of new drugs in the pipeline that attack diabetes in different ways and really are helping people. And you see them on TV because the people with type 2 diabetes is an enormous market in the United States right. because we are all conditioned to eat things that have fat and sugar and salt embedded in them by the fast food industrial complex, if you will. And that these drugs are now going to combat it. But the way America is, so how do you get in good shape? Diet and exercise. And all of America goes, yeah, but is there a pill instead? Can I just take a <laughs> right. pill? Because I so much don't want to do the work of it. I don't want to discipline myself. I just want to have, no matter how I screw myself up, that I can take a morning after pill and get out of trouble. <laughs> no matter what the activity is, if you right. know what I'm trying to say. So, what I want to do is not be on any drugs. I don't want to be that I'm having, I talked about this a little bit last time, but I had a good find of, I found Jardians, the, the drug that I take that helps with, not only have I had atrial fibrillation, but diabetes, and this is a good combination for helps your heart as well as helps your diabetes. It's expensive because it's not yet generic. And so I had to like, can I find this in science what's available in the United States? Yes, Canada doesn't have the crazy profit motive that some of the companies here do. So I was very happy to find it for $300 instead of $1,000 for a 90-day supply. What I want to do is not spend $300 on anything. I don't want to be on the drugs that they're keeping me alive. I'm very incredibly thankful that they exist and that smart scientists have found ways to get blood out of your system and increase how your mind handles the feeling of satiation, you know, it puts out more ghrelin in your stomach so that you feel fuller more often. Help your liver, help your pancreas, help your kidneys. Having said all that, if I didn't weigh 290 pounds, but I weighed 260 or 230, you know, take 10% off each time, you get remarkable health benefits. Right. And so isn't that what I should be doing is find a way so that I'm never worried about blood pressure or diabetes or any of the lifestyle diseases, if you will, 
it's not only a matter of avoiding salt, it's that your body's a wonderful machine that is self-correcting and give it a chance instead of keep like throwing sand into the gas tank. You know what I mean? I'm my worst enemy in terms of what I do. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Exactly. So we'll see. That kind of like that maybe uh, a regular feature on Relentless Geekery is going to be, even if you're the geek that loves reading and loves watching TV and et cetera, et cetera, get up and go for a walk because that's the only way you're going to keep the weight off, my friend. You know what I mean? Stop thinking that pizza is paradise. you got to find a way to stop eating the worst things for you. And I'll talk to myself, but I suspect it'll echo (laughs) with lots of other people. (laughs) It's definitely something I've heard a lot with writing books and publishing that it, it, gosh, let me try and get this exactly. And I'm going to screw it up. I just had it in my head and it just slipped away. It's something like it's easy, but it's not, or it's, it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. That's it. It's simple, but it's not easy. Exactly. Yes. You know, and I've heard that a lot and that, and it's funny because doctors, they want to say, well, cut out this, eating this, eat more green stuff and double your exercise every day. Meaning even if it's walking or something, but then you get people like, I used to work with people that would say, well, we went and walked today at lunch. You walked around the parking lot one time and then you got a Snickers bar and a Coke. You rewarded (laughs) yourself for having done that exercise, which really would qualify it. Yeah. But doctors don't do that because people get argumentative. They think the doctor's not doing a good job. So they give up and then they just prescribe stuff. Let me tell you, and I may have mentioned him before, and I know he won't mind me mentioning this. I have a buddy, author buddy, Jay Thorne. He lived a party lifestyle. He he was a long hair rocker. He plays guitar, lived his teens and twenties, as you would think. Uh, Yes, exactly. (laughs) So in his mid forties, he developed gout and was having a lot of health problems related to that. And he goes to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, well, here's what we got to do. And he prescribed the medicine and Jay's like, how long do I have to take this? He's like the rest of your life. The rest of your life. I don't want to do that. I'm like, it's not only expensive, but I don't want to be stuck on medicine for the rest of my life. The doctor said, that's just how it is. Jay said, I don't believe that. And he did his own research and he said, basically I had to not just change my diet, but I had to get radical but radical in the sense compared to the average American diet. Uh, but it's not radical when it's when you compare it to what you really should eat. That's what it comes down to. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have hardly anything that has sugar at all, anywhere, anything. He doesn't get boxed anything to make. It's all meats and vegetables and organic stuff. He can go to the farmer's market and get all of it pretty right. much. I heard as a truism that if you go to the grocery store, you want to circle it. The you edge. want to go to the produce section and the dairy section and the meat section and get out. Yeah. Don't go to any of the processed food aisles. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. he got, it was a willpower thing that he had to just, I, I, this is what I'm doing and I will not do anything else. And he started running and he now runs about five miles a day. Okay. He lost a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much, but it was significant amount and he takes no medicine he has no symptoms of gout or anything so if when people say stop i at least know this man that did it so i can't hear that we all can't 
I'm as guilty as anybody. I know my father's health history. I know that's inherited through him. And I know a large part of my problem is because of that. But I know also doing a little bit more exercise and a little better eating would probably help me, like you said, immensely. But it has to be long-term. It can't be a, except on weekends. (laughs) I'll tell you, everybody, there's always nature versus nurture. And and, and the fact that it's set up as versus, it's one's got to win. No, you start off with whatever gifts and difficulties you might have inherited from part of your genetic makeup. And then there's still so much that you can do with how your genes get expressed, with how, what kinds of things you might be, have a higher possibility of getting, but you're not doomed to get it. And so you do the work, you, you do the work. I don't know. A lot of, it's funny, we're in a, an odd time in society where talking about losing weight almost immediately, often immediately gets a backlash in terms of, oh, now you're fat shaming and that's lookism and it's all about appearance. And I'll tell you what, I've never had a problem with that. By that meaning, I think people are beautiful of all kinds of shapes and races and creeds and colors, religions and types and and all that kind of stuff. And when I talk about what is attractive to me, it's never a certain body type. It's always, I want someone that can go for a walk with me. I want someone that if we've got to move a couch, they can grab the other end of it and they don't have to be my equal because I'm a big, strong guy. But what do I lose if I'm a big, strong guy? I can't go crawling around under the couch without hunkering down and my knees hurting. You know what I mean? So I, I got a question, about- though. I got to interrupt you because <laughs> sure. we've talked about this. How yeah. many couches do you move? Because that's always your example. <laughs> For how many times, because I'm a big guy, I've been asked to help people move their houses. I was always the guy that said, get a part of, especially not just the couch, the sleeper sofa, where it's got a whole fucking steel mechanism inside it. And it's like, is this made out of white dwarf material? What the hell are we? You get ready for the lift, then you realize I should have brought like my truss. I don't want to have... Let, let me but, tell you, yes. <laughs> Al, it, it's not an it's not a party moving a truck until you're holding it over the banister and lowering it, and the cops drive in. Uh, <laughs> so, so let me just tell you. <laughs> also, other fun things to move are things like a king size mattress because it's got flexion in it, and if it starts to bend the wrong way, it's amazing how much that that moment of inertia is. You really have to apply yourself to not have it complete its loss. Right. You know what I mean? So, and- so there's the life choices. You, you're either the guy that's moving the couches, moving the king size mattresses, right. or you worked hard, you have a good business, run it yourself, make control your money, and you pay those people to move you your hire. stuff. Exactly that. Get a couple big bohunks over here. Right. And please, Me- that's not an insult to bohemians. It's the term for a big guy. Like, right. oh, big? You know what I mean? It's right. Hank. Hank's always the guy that goes and gets the keg. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> so- My cousin and I sent him a picture because we go camping a lot. We hang out a lot. We do stuff. But we're still, we get in trouble a lot. We're definitely, we have stories that people tell about us. But we, I sent him this picture. It's a, it's a, it's like a, a Nerf soft gun or something, but it's like a machine okay. gun. They yeah. use these little pellets that you soak in water. So they expand, but okay. when they hit, they explode into a fine powder. They're eco-friendly. They don't leave waste and you can have fun shooting everybody because they're, but I found glow in the dark bullets for them. And so we're going camping. And I'm like, Gary, why haven't we gotten these yet? He's like, because if we get them, the kids will get them. And you remember the last time they killed us with the airsoft guns. I'm like, but, but 
we're adults that have better jobs than they are. We can get two and we can have more ammo. There we go. Peace by superior armament. <laughs> so that, that's our plan. But how cool is that? Because you, you have like water balloons. It always leaves the balloons. Yeah, yes, yeah, there's squirt guns and stuff. You get wet. They're fun. But now the airsofts are like a little bit like paintball, but they don't leave paint. They just leave little marks. Right. But if you're wearing clothing, you don't even feel them. This is a combination you know, where it's okay and for actually, the environment. And there's no denying you got shot. No, yes. a little boosh on you, you know what I mean? And, and actually, this is kind of, we often talk about what kind of travel we want to do. One of the things that I really would like to do, even though I'm so much not of this culture or this religion, isn't there a cool festival in India, I believe, where they have colored powders that they splash on each other. And, yes. and the, the celebration is this kaleidoscopic, beautiful, colorful thing. Like, I'm not a Hindu. I don't know why that's a cool thing to do, except I want to be part of, I, I, that I, I'm like a Walt Disney character. Look at all this color. It's so beautiful. It's so there wonderful. are groups I've seen uh, get togethers and groups and events that do it in the States. Other people from that culture or if people have appropriated they it. Just, what a great idea. Let's do yeah. it. Exactly. So I have yeah, seen yeah. it. Yeah, just like they have bubble parties, you know, like foam parties and bars and stuff. There must be also a, a crazy color party, probably at a rave, because that's where you really have people goggling. Over. Look at the colors. I think I've seen it in conjunction with Burning Man out out in the desert. That so. may, may, okay, that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you were talking about losing weight and all that, and how it's not just the looks and all that. Honestly, I know a few people that I thought looked better a little heavier than they do now that they've lost so much weight. So it, part of that's my perception and me, but then you got to balance. I'm not saying they look ugly or hideous or anything like that. I'm just yeah. saying it was, it, it looks a little more off. I, I don't even know how to put right. it. You don't need to lose so much weight that you get to gaunt that you get yes. to like, you know, that you look like, wow, eat a sandwich. But I, I don't know. And, and again, I guess for my own self, it's, I want to be around a long time and having extra weight is not necessarily a formula for that. I right. want to like go for my hikes and not have my feet, my ankles occasionally hurt because, Hey, you're lifting 290 instead of 230. Right. Like you could, there's, there's certain things. And I'm now 62. I know that everybody's read the stories about as you get older, you gain like a pound a year, you lose the ability to have the higher metabolism and stuff. I have to do it now because it's not going to get any easier. It's only going to get harder. Right. And, I, I want to be around to be with Colleen. I don't want her to pick the clinker. And then I gacked. It's funny. So I, I had a melanoma and beat it. I, I had April fibrillation and beat it. I, I, I'm going through the list of things that can kill you. And I don't want it to be really what killed me is that I couldn't control my mouth. That I really couldn't stop. When it's totally under mouth. your control. God damn it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the bad luck of killing, getting melanoma from when I had too many tans when I was young. It's really... There's something about, I don't know, like pride almost. I don't want to be the, 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 the goof that like you knew what to do and you chose not to. And right. then you like left your loved one behind. Ah, oh, man, I just, I, I know I only got a certain number of years. I'm not going to be immortal. Maybe we really will get nanotech and organ replacement and I'll make it to 141 so that I can see 2100. That really is something that Colleen and I have talked about. She's got to make it to 143 and me 141. So we make it to the next hundred year turnover i want to see that odometer roll one more time to all those zeros 
but it ain't going to get there without medical miracles. And it sure isn't going to get there without my not having a Big Mac all these times. Yeah, I, I've been, <laughs> my father had open heart surgery like at age 42. So I did, I'm beyond that. Now, does that mean I'm not going to have that hit me? I, who knows? I don't, I haven't looked inside all my veins. I right. could be building but up. You to had it. the caution from him that you said, yes. I got to be more careful than that. Okay. Yeah. So I still develop the pre-diabetes, but I am trying to keep on track. I do take the metformin and I try not to eat the carbs. I try not to overdo anything. So yeah, it's not impossible and it really isn't that hard. I know people are like, oh, that's too hard. No, it's really not. It's just a mindset. If I lived in Willy Wonkaville where there was nothing but sugar (laughs) to eat, but no, there's more than enough stuff everywhere in every good, you know, restaurant and and grocery store and everything i just need to like defend myself you know what i mean here's (laughs) a really good example back when i was in high school my father with his open heart and stuff they said look he's got high blood pressure he's got artery disease you've got to make these changes and one of it was the sodium so my mother went on a kick and we cut out a lot of sodium a lot of people will try her cooking and even i do at times it's like wow that's really bland and stuff. And I remember at the time going, really? I think it tastes wonderful because your tastes change. Absolutely. You can train your taste buds. That's yes. exactly right. Yeah. And the funny thing was like on Easter, we go to my cousins or something and they'd have a ham. I get a piece of ham and I'm like, oh my God, how much right. salt is on this? They're like, no, exactly. this right. on the desert. Exactly. Yeah. This like a skull from the desert. <laughs> so it's, it, to me, it was too salty and I didn't like it, but to other people, it was just right. Whereas the, the one that tasted good to me, they thought was bland and stuff. But the point is my taste buds changed. So the food tasted fine, tasted good, and it was healthier. Yeah. So I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons that I think this really is like a geeky topic is because there really is science behind these. Foods. Yes. It really is proof that you can change their taste buds and what you desire. There really are what chemicals, what things help you to control your appetite or like, I don't know, instead of salt, I, we always have a little like Italian seasoning mixture or something like that. Right. And not only are this those better than salt, but every one of them, there's any number of things like, yes, you want to have a certain amount of olive leaf or, or, or whatever. I regularly put things, if I make low carb pasta, I don't make it only Italian salad like everybody else talks about. I put pretty much every ingredient that's supposed to help you. I put some cinnamon in there. I put some garlic. I put cinnamon. Yeah, because you don't taste it amongst all the other cool things. Right. And why not have this big magic curative combination that I do? It's And it's incremental. It isn't only stop doing everything and be totally deprived. It's that everything that you do that's in line with that, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to fall off and on the wagon but just by making certain changes and being my more conscious about it i'm regularly making little changes that then when i want to have a pizza i can give myself a pizza once a year big deep dish chicago style etc and not worry about that oh my god that, that killed me but because you don't have it every week you have right, it as a right. special special treat or whatever and, else it might be and so, it's, yeah. it's also people think uh, oh i can't have pizza that's not true and you mentioned science the way we think about diabetes now is because of science. But my father was totally avoiding like the candy with sugar or ice cream with sugar and all that. But he ate a lot of mashed potatoes and a lot of bread. And then they started finding out how that or, or realizing that's just Simple a bad carbs. So, 
Yeah. That's right. So right. having a Snickers once a week, people are like, oh my God, don't you have diabetes? I'm like, yeah, but I haven't eaten carbs and stuff today. I can have a Snickers. Again, we've talked about that a million times. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the pizza, just don't eat three or four pieces. Eat one, eat two, eat another piece tomorrow, spread it out. You That's know, right. it, that, that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it, uh, let's, I'm trying, what, what else do we have on our list to talk about? I don't know. We really didn't talk about anything, but I have a <laughs> trivia question if you'd like. Okay. okay. It's, it's not even Weird Al. I was, I was thinking of Weird Al one, but this one came up and I was like, oh, that's cool. So you'll probably get this. We'll see. What was the first Mickey Mouse cartoon? Uh, Steamboat Willie, I think, right? Nope. Nope. That's the one everybody goes for. So tell me what. Uh, the first one was called Plane Crazy. It was with airplanes with him in it. But here's the, what it is. And this is okay. people's thinking. We talked about memories and stuff. So Plane Crazy was a silent cartoon. Steamboat Willie is where they got the first synchronized music and sound effects and all that. Right. That's well, what people remember. And then okay. they retrofitted the Plane Crazy with uh, sounds. But it's not a complete... Uh, landscape of sound like Steamboat Willie is. So interesting. It's actually something different. Yeah. So you lost on Jeopardy. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool to learn that. And we talked a while back. There was a trivia about the computer. It was not the great mouse detective. That was just a particular way they used it. There okay. was several before that. So there's a, oh man, there's some good history of computer graphics in movies out there the first animations the first yeah so like i was saying i'm pretty sure that sherlock holmes younger brother smarter brother i'm trying to think what the name of that one is that it's the first where where they had the real integration of computer generated graphics into film you know what i mean yeah long before why is this flipping darn it exactly and then also there's a spectacular one with sorry bob hoskins and all the different cartoons roger rabbit Roger Rabbit, who framed Roger Rabbit, exactly. That, and since that movie, the only thing I've seen that can even compare to that is the uh, Ready Player One, where they have all the video game characters, like everything, doing the big march to take the castle and all. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's one of those where I hardly ever do this. I don't really, I want to buy it and I want to freeze frame my way through it and just say, okay, they did include this from Final Fantasy and this from marathon and all the things that right. I'd be able to point out between computer games and video games and that kind of stuff, you know? So, right. Did you actually read Ready Player One, the book? I did. I really liked yeah. it. Exactly. It, there's, and, a, in fact, there's a sequel now, I think called Ready Player Two, if I remember. Yeah. He did a, another book in between that as magic I think. To, to me, but I'm, I'm Ready Player Two, I'm, I'm waiting to see what he does to recapture that, yeah. the, the joy of it. So. And, and the book... They did a wonderful job with the movie to get the feel of the book and the major points of the book. I know people are like, they didn't put this in there. And they, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a two-hour movie. Well, you right. got 400 pages. It doesn't yeah. work out, folks. I trust Steven Spielberg's taste as to what makes a good movie. And yeah. that's why he put things in and left things out. Exactly. And they, the majority of it, it felt good. But the yeah. book just has some little things in it all over the place that it, it's a great read if you've never read it. It's fun. Exactly. I will say this. I, I mentioned probably a couple months ago now, I discovered an author named Richard Cadry, who did the Sandman Slim books. And he also has another series um, um, about uh, uh, Charlie Cooper that are heist books. You know what I mean? It's him and his 
uh, cronies stealing various different difficult to get to things and the uh, different cast of characters than Sandman Slim, but the same irreverent sense of humor, the same great phrases that have never been printed before. He's really, I, I recommend them highly. So the first one was called The Everything Box. Second one is called The Wrong Dead Guy, if I remember right. They're really good. So Richard Cadry, for my latest, I was very happy in the airport to have a book that you can really lose yourself in and have time go away. And that was the, the latest thing that I was reading. All right, there we go. We got trivia and we got recommendations. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. All right, Take man. We'll see you next week. Yep. Okay. See ya. Have a good week. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.